0: Friends, listen to me. This is serious business. What the world needs today is Jesus. The Bible says in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, the Triple Set Your Free Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co-host Nathan Jones, where we're Lamb, Lion, Ministry. We thank you for being part of today's program, a great program that we have titled God's War Cloud. So for those of you that have just tuned in, we'd love for you to share this program with your friends and family so they can follow along as well. And make sure that you get your Bibles and open it to Ezekiel chapter 38 with us. But before I continue, I'm going to ask my co-host Nathan Jones if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much
1: for everybody tuned in who just longs to know you better, Lord. Show yourself to us today, Lord, through your scriptures. Help us understand you better and what your purposes are for Israel and for the whole world. We lift up your precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Again, you're tuned into our Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministry. Again, our topic for today is God's War Cloud, so stay tuned. But before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co host of the program, Nathan Jones. Nathan, what a great time it is to be alive, isn't it? It's,
1: it's- wonderful and terrifying all at the same time, isn't it? That- <laughs> would say that. it's It's the darkest before the light, right? The darkest before the dawn. We know Jesus Christ is coming soon, but the world first has to go into turmoil. But it's not as bad as it will be during the tribulation before his return. So, yeah, it's it's dark out there. But you're right. It's wonderful because we're seeing all these prophecies come to light, which is proof that the word of God is indeed true. Therefore, there is a God and we can put our faith and trust in him.
0: Praise the Lord. And that is the wonderful thing that uh, we want to share with you also is that God loves you, has a great plan for your life, and God wants you to know Him better. Nathan, we have some resources available for people, right? So that they can tune in and get to know God better, and also part of the programs that we're doing. Might you be able to share some of those? Yeah.
1: Uh, well, I'd love to point people to our website at christinprophecy.org. Of course, we have social media too Facebook, Twitter, which is now X. Uh, <laughs> We've got uh, uh, Pinterest and Instagram, of course. Uh, we have an e-newsletter to sign up for. We have our Lamb Lion app. You can check us out on our YouTube and Rumble channels, All Christ and Prophecy, all looking to point people to Jesus Christ uh, to get themselves right with him before he comes back to get saved. And so we long for you to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And that's why Vic and I record these podcasts and why uh, Tim Moore and I record podcasts um, Christ in Prophecy, which is our television program, and all our many other programs out there to help people know Jesus Christ before the time is runs out and He returns.
0: Whoa! Well, thank you so much, Nate. And uh, time is running out, so the opportunities that door will soon close. So we want as many of you as possible to, to grab hold of those opportunities and learn more about God's plan for your life. Nathan, speaking of God's plan, you and I have been unraveling the book of Ezekiel chapter 38 in a chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse manner. In our last episode, we were looking at chapter 38, and we were talking about this invasion that is coming uh, to the people of Israel, where the enemy is going to seek to wipe them out, much like in history. In the past, we noticed uh. Uh, In the book of Esther, Haman came and was trying to destroy God's people. Uh, Current generations afterwards, Hitler trying to wipe out God's people. And then as we look at Ezekiel 38, it will be the same with the prince of Rush, Gog and Magog. In all these instances, we know that God will always come out victorious in God's people as well. But as we looked at the last uh, chapter, excuse me, the last verses there in Ezekiel 38, Uh, We see these nations that were aligning up to destroy Israel. And it said that it would happen when they were back in their land. And you and I are experiencing that miracle even right now. Yes, this is a
1: prophecy and fulfillment of Ezekiel chapters 36 and 37, which prophesied that Israel would come back from the dead, that a dead nation that's been dead for hundreds of years would come back alive again. And there it is. Israel, 1948, became a nation once more. I mean, it's never been seen in history The Hittites haven't started up their country again. The Mayans, the Incans, the Aztecs, the Iroquois League, none of that has come back. But Israel, the nation of the Bible, has returned. And once they're returned, once they've redeveloped the land and made it bountiful against, once they're militarily secure in the land, then a coalition of nations is prophesied here in chapters 38 and 39 to try to wipe Israel off the map, to totally plunder them and eliminate them. And this is a prophecy where the outcome, will. the purpose is to bring Israel to a saving knowledge of God, not necessarily his son, Jesus Christ, just yet, but to bring that 60% of Israel who are secular humanists to come to know God, because God is going to step in and he's going to supernaturally, by himself, defeat these enemies. So this is one of the most exciting two-part, two-chapter passages in the entire Bible. And there's more prophecy about this prophetic war here in these two chapters than there's even about the Battle of Armageddon.
0: Nathan, and this is why we find this fascinating. Uh, you and I have been, again, making our way through this as best as we can. There are certain things here that, honestly, uh, the Holy Spirit will have to continue to reveal, such as the timing, uh, when exactly. We've spoken about this before that we believe the rapture uh, is going to take place uh, first, and then a lot of things are going to unravel. And, and again, I believe that is one of the uh, last signs on the calendar is the rapture, and that can actually occur any at any moment.
1: Yeah, the rapture is an imminent event. So when Vic and I say rapture, we're pointing to 1 Thessalonians 4:17. It's to catch up. It's a snatching away. It's where Paul was teaching that Jesus Christ will come back and take those who've accepted him as Savior, which we call the church, and the church is taking as a bride up to meet the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, in heaven. And before God's wrath is poured out on the world like he did during the flood, in what's called the seven-year tribulation time period, But as in the last episode, Vic and I went through the timing clues, it looks like this Gog-Magog attack against Israel will happen after the rapture, but just before or at the very onset of the seven-year tribulation. So I don't believe that anybody who's saved now will be here on this earth to see this battle.
0: Amen to that, Nathan. And, And not only that, but also the Bible here is very descriptive how this adversary, this enemy is going to come against God's people Uh, as we pick it up there in Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 16. And now, Nate, would you be able to open us up by reading verses uh, 16 through 18 of Ezekiel 38? And I'll read verses 19 through 20 in case someone doesn't have a Bible.
1: Okay, verse 16. You, being Gog, will come up against my people, Israel, like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O God, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? And it will come to pass at that same time when Gog comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face.
0: Verse 19, For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. Surely in that day, there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground." Nathan, what amazing description we have here, how these events are going to take place. I I mean, the opening verse six there says, like a cloud. You know, Today we talk a lot about information in the clouds, but this is going to be a different cloud.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Israel's got one of the most powerful militaries in the world, the Israeli Defense Forces, but it could never stand up against a coalition of Russia, Iran, Turkey, all those stand nations, Libya, the Sudan, and other nations in, that, in those areas are all sending their armies against Israel all at once. So, Israel, is, the Lord has done amazing things to protect Israel. I mean, you think in 1948, as soon as Israel declared itself a nation, its Arab neighbors started attacking it. And so, we got a bunch of kibbutz workers with one plane, and they somehow held back an entire army. That's God working. Even today... Jewish people get go into battle and say, "I saw missiles just swerve off for no reason, or or planes crash, and just all sorts of stuff that just doesn't make any sense unless God is supernaturally defending Israel, and He is. And the Bible even tells us His His chief angel, His archangel Michael, is Israel's protector. And so when you see a missile all of a sudden swerve away, it. that's likely God's angels moving the missile away to protect the Jewish people. So here's this horde, this this massive army, and Joel points to it like locusts, so many that they just cover the land. There is no way Israel could possibly win against such adversaries. And that's where, as we just read, God steps in. And God steps in, why? Not just to protect Israel, that's one thing, but to protect his name, to show the world that he is the God an all powerful and almighty. It's for God's glory and glory alone, and he's going to defeat Israel's
0: invaders. And Nathan, and I love that. And, and so at the end of the day, it will not be about uh, how strong someone is, how much nuclear weapons they have, how much power they have. Uh, and again, I think this is evangelism right there. God wants people to know that he exists and that he is truly in control. You know, it reminds me of our country, the United States of America. I love America. We have a great country. Uh, I'm so glad. But somehow or other, we think that is our power and our might that makes us who we are. And we forget that it's the Lord. And without the Lord, we're all doomed to destruction. That's absolutely
1: true. Yeah. I, and we've forgotten that as a nation. We think that we're all that because of our military might. But it's God who's made any nation powerful. And so when we no longer thank God, then God's going to pull back his protection. And as we're seeing all around us, America just crumbling all around us. And that's what's going to happen. So unfortunately, though, Uh, God's purpose on this earth isn't for the United States. It's to show himself hollow to the world through Israel. Now that Israel's back in the land, the church age is almost over. The church is ready to move on, to claim our inheritance in heaven, and God will pass the torch from the church to Israel. And the focus of the world's attention will no longer be the church, but it'll be Israel. And God's going to use this horrific, tremendous, Invasion bigger than anything that's ever seen since World War II against the land of Israel, and he's going to step in and he's going to defeat these enemies, which we'll read about in just a minute.
0: And Nathan, not only that, but you know, uh, sometimes people wonder, well, what does God's fury look like? What does God's righteous indignation look like towards those that oppose him? And let me tell you here in verse 19 through 20, it gives a very good description of what God's fury looks like. It says that my fury will show in my face, and then it begins to outline the fury, how it will be unleashed, right, Nathan? And it kind of reminds me a little bit of the time of the tribulation, the seven-year period, when once again God is going to unleash his fury on the world, and we see a similar. climatic events described here for us in the Word of God. Absolutely. Should we pick
1: up in, uh, what, 19?
0: Absolutely. Actually, Nathan, let's pick it up in 21.
1: Oh, we're all the way up there. Okay. I will call for a sword against God throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him and on his troops and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord.
0: Woo! Nathan, and that's why I was saying, when you really look at this passage and you begin to think about also the destruction that's going to happen uh, in the time of the tribulation, the worst seven-year period uh, in the history of the world in the future, we see again another invasion, but we see similarities in how God is just going to come and annihilate all those that come against his people.
1: And this is what's led some people to equate this war with the Battle of Armageddon, which is the final battle at the end of the seven-year tribulation. But there's many things that are, are different about these wars. For instance, this battle takes place on the mountains of Israel, while the Armageddon takes place in Jezreel, which is a valley. Uh, Gog or is the ruler of, of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. He's the leader of this. When we look at Armageddon, the leader is the Antichrist, the king of the world. Uh, so the armies are different. The locations different. The the how it ends is different. So there's so many differences between the Gog Magog War and Armageddon. They're not the same war. They're not the same war whatsoever. But look at how God defeats his enemies. Man, it is Old Testament wrath. I mean, we're talking (laughs) about an earthquake, which levels the area. I mean, it levels the area. Uh, The armies, which are just working together to destroy Israel, turn on each other. That, I've always loved that kind of wrath in the Bible where, where these armies start killing each other, you know? So all of a sudden, Turkey and Iran and Russia and Sudan, they're all killing each other instead of fighting Israel. So God turns them against each other. And while that's happening, he's pouring down torrential rains upon them. So, you know, like their tanks and their weapons and everything are all getting squished and, and stuck. And then he's sending giant hailstones and pummeling them. And at the same time, maybe an earthquake, excuse me, a volcano blows or something. There's a lot of dormant volcanoes in the mountains of Israel. It blows, and fire and brimstone, which is sulfur, come down and crush these armies. And we read in the book of Joel how only a ninth of these armies are going to remain, and they run back as far north as you can, possibly into Siberia. And that's it. I mean, think about the outcome of this. Nationally, you've got these armies from Russia and Turkey and Iran were no longer a threat anymore. Matter of fact, it's because so many of these armies are Islamic, it's well believed that Islam won't be a player during the tribulation time period. So the geopolitical structure of the world today will be radically changed after this war. The second thing that happens too is Israel knows there's a God. There will not be a secular humanist Israeli left. And all the Jews... Will we gather back not just half the world Jews who live in Israel, but all 14 million will come back to live in the land of Israel, and they will call upon God. Not his son yet, that's at the end of the tribulation, but they will call upon God. And the third thing this passage tells us is that God will make himself known to the world. Going into the tribulation time period, nobody will say, oh, there is no God anymore, because it will be so obvious That's why I believe, Vic, when we read about the Antichrist and Daniel making a peace covenant with Israel, and people are like, well, that's because the Antichrist is granting Israel uh, freedom to build the temple or, or protection from their enemies. I think it's the opposite. After the Gog Magog War, when the world is terrified of the God who protects Israel, the Antichrist will make a peace covenant with Israel to protect himself from God so that he can go out and conquer the rest of the world before turning his attention to Israel.
0: Nathan, I love those points that you just made, and I just love the way that you also outlined them. And the reason is, like you mentioned earlier, we want to clarify which wars these are, how these wars fought, the timing of the war, who is affected by them, and how these wars are different from one another. Because it is very easy, Nathan, for someone who doesn't understand fully Bible prophecy to get this confused. Maybe they read through the book of Daniel, maybe they read through the book of Ezekiel, maybe they read through the book of of Revelation, and they start to put these together as all in the same, but yet we find that there's great differences between these wars and how they unfold. Not only that, but also chapter 39 begins to also unfold for us, the players, Uh, more in details, what's going to be going on and the type of weapons that are going to be used also during these battles. So, Nathan, as we look at chapter 39 there, beginning on verses 1 through 4, it continues and it says, and you, son of man, prophesy against Gog, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rush, Meshach, and Tubal, and I will turn you around and lead you on, bringing you up from the far north and bring you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops and the people who are with you. I will give to the birds of prey every sort and to the beast of the field to be devoured. And Nathan, you just mentioned it. This is where these battles are going to be fought. These are who the players are going to be.
1: Yes. You know, it's interesting. Years ago, I was listening to a prophecy teacher. And he'd marked the fact that now that Israel is back in the land and the land is fruitful again and it's raining and uh, there's some water. And I mean, it's still a desert, but there's abundance that the birds have all come back. The birds of prey, you know, for many, many years, the birds really hadn't come through migratory or otherwise through the land of Israel. And now the birds of prey are back. Well, why are all the birds of prey back? What's the the reason? Well, we're reading here this army. This is going to be. I mean, we're talking about the biggest army that's probably seen since since World War II gathering against Israel, and God is going to smash them and destroy them and pummel them all over the mountains of Israel, and they're going to be left as bird food. The birds of prey are going to come and eat, and the, dead, the beasts of the field are going to come and eat the dead bodies. And so we've got the land covered in dead bodies, and, well, the birds are back. The beasts are back. So... Uh, I thought it was kind of eye-opening when I heard that prophecy teacher teach that. But uh, it's true. And it's interesting, if we go back to the last chapter, God is instigating this. He's he's letting all these nations fill up their, this cup of wrath until finally it starts overflowing. And then he instigates by giving Gog a reason to come down to Israel, which we believe is its great natural gas wealth now. And if it is Vladimir Putin, whoever is the leader at this time, This leader of God, Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, in other words, he's the general over this coalition, comes down against Israel. God's going to doing it for the purpose of destroying him, his army, and so that the world knows that there is a God. matter of fact, there will probably more people understand that there is a God than the church has been able to reach for Christ in the last 2,000 years, I bet.
0: Oh, Nathan, that is fantastic. Again, for those of you that just tuned in, you tuned into our Truth to Set Your Free Bible Prophecy Edition, Vic Batista, and Nathan Jones, as uh, so we're looking at Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39 uh, with a message titled, God's War Cloud. And again, a fascinating study of the Word of God. And, and Nathan, I love that. But not only that, it's just the, the amazing power of God. Here this enemy comes, fully loaded with their weapons, ready to cause destruction and chapter 39, verse verse 3 says, then I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause your arrow to fall out of your right hand. It's almost like, check this out. It's almost like, watch what I'm going to do. And it's just an amazing thing how God works.
1: Yeah, it's like an episode of Chuck Norris, or, Chuck <laughs> walker or a ranger, or whatever it was. Remember the bad guy is like, yeah, I got the drop on you. I have the gun. And also now the blue, Chuck Norris would kick it out of their hand, and, and they'd be down on the ground like, what? And this is going to be the same way. I and mean, this God is going to be leading the biggest army in, in this century. And they're going to think that they're going to destroy Israel no problem. And then God himself steps in. I mean, he's not physically there, but his presence is felt. And so as soon as He gets there, all their weapons are knocked out of their hands. I, now, I don't think they're coming down with bows and arrows, but we got to remember that Ezekiel was a man from 2,600 years ago. He didn't know about guns and missiles and bazookas and tanks and things, so he didn't write about them. He used contemporary weapons of his time period to explain this. So, brother, it's, it's, it's a fascinating battle because it shows that, you know, you read Psalm 2, how we read about how the nations conspired against God, but he just sits on His throne and laughs. You know, whatever diabolical scheme that comes from the heart of man, it's nothing compared to God's power. And he's going to show it here in the Gog Magog War.
0: Oh, Nathan, absolutely. And we have to understand. We have to bring this to modern terms. Ezekiel, when he was looking at this, he really didn't understand uh, uh, these huge uh, tanks and and what they call housers that like carry all these missiles uh, from land to air. Uh, my son is in the Marines, Nathan. He's a, he's in the military, of course, and and. Uh, uh, one of the things that he does is that he drives these uh, these these vehicles they call them housers, and they have all these missiles on them and he tells me some of the amazing um, some of the amazing things that they have them do uh, when they're carrying these these uh, trucks just filled with these amazing missiles. And again it reminds me of what the Bible is saying one little earthquake, one shake of God's hand and all this stuff just comes tumbling down. Uh, so it, it really is amazing how the Bible describes this here yeah
1: and it gets even more details in verse five it says you shall fall on the open field for i have spoken says the lord god and hear this verse six and i will send fire on magog and those living in security in the coastlands then they shall know that i am the lord so god is going to set all this supernatural destruction on them but then he's going to send fire back on their nations now when we're talking about fire here You know, you look at a missile and it's got a flaming spout out the back of it. Missiles, you know, they have fire that project them forward. So we see here that at at some point, Russia and Turkey and Iran, whatever uh, nation that might have missiles or even nuclear weapons, send them against Israel. So it gets a little desperate there. So all these nuclear weapons that Vladimir Putin has been threatening to set off against Ukraine, it appears that he will try that or his successor will try that against Israel but God turns the missiles around and drops them back on their own home countries. So they try to destroy Israel with nukes. God turns the nukes around and sends them back onto that land and destroys their countries. So when we see in the news, Iran constantly, constantly using proxy uh, players like Hezbollah and Hamas to attack and wage war against Israel, where Russia's centuries of anti-Semitism and the persecution of the Jews The Turks, who are terrible, uh, two-faced friends to Israel, constantly stabbed in the back. All these Islamic countries that hate Israel and want them destroyed, God is going to destroy their countries. So you can tell that the geopolitical makeup of the world today, with Islam and Russia being major players, will not even be a thing entering into the tribulation.
0: Nathan, I oh, these are just amazing details. Even as we look at technology, as you mentioned, Nathan, today we have these amazing laser self-guided missiles that can hit a target anywhere, much like they use in Iraq. God is simply gonna flip the switch, turn these laser self-guided missiles back at the enemy. (laughs) And, and, And it's just amazing how the Bible describes this. But Nathan, what's also amazing is that it's describing when this is gonna happen, what is the timing. And verse seven and eight, let us know, hey, this is fast approaching. Verse seven says, so I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people, Israel, and I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. Then the nation shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Verse eight, surely it is coming and it shall be done, says the Lord God. This is the day which I have spoken. And Nathan, you and I know that it's fast approaching.
1: It is. And the fact that God steps in, I mean, right now, for the last 2,000 years, God has expressed his power through the church. When I say church, church universal, those who are saved, the Holy Spirit working through the church to produce miracles. But God himself hasn't shown himself, not physically, but supernaturally, like at this level in church history, maybe since the day of Pentecost. So what we know is that this is an event that has anything to do with the church. Therefore, I don't believe the church will be here to see this happen because God is going to use it to, going into the tribulation, the world will know there's a God. Now, we know that once a tribulation happens, the world will quickly divide into two camps, one that supports God and, and loves Christ and, and ones that don't. Uh, you could say a third, it's the Jewish people who love God but haven't accepted Jesus yet. And we see the Antichrist, and who's satanic in nature, constantly persecute those who get saved during that time, and the Jewish people. But the whole world still knows that there's a God, and it's because of this Gog and Magog war. God does it for his holy name. Uh, it's, It's kind of a testimony to the church, don't you think, Vic, that we must have sure dropped the ball if God himself has to come out and say, yes, there is a God.
0: Nathan, that's a very good point. And, and speaking of which, one of the reasons why we always give an invitation be, before we close our program is because you and I, we definitely don't want to drop the ball. In other words, we want to be faithful to the things that God has called us to do. The nation of Israel, to an extent, have dropped the ball, but God is going to pick up the ball and he's going to score and he's going to use uh, whatever method he, he He can. And today, God is using us uh, Nathan, myself, and other wonderful ministries uh, to continue to keep that war uh, moving forward by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, that he will indeed return. God will judge this world. But you friends who are tuning into this program right now have an opportunity to enter into God's grace. And you can do that through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. According to the Bible in John three sixteen, it says, like, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The Bible is clear also in the book of Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, and according to 1 John 1, if you have sinned, if you recognize you've broken God's commandment, if you want to uh, establish a relationship with him, the Bible says we have to confess our sins, repent, and turn to God. And you can do that with a very simple prayer wherever you are right now. If you could bow your hearts and with Nathan Jones and myself, as we lead you into this very simple prayer. And if you pray this prayer, you mean it from your heart, God will transform your life. I wanna invite you, wherever you are, just call on the name of the Lord. Just say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner, but God, right now, I repent and I turn from my sins and I turn to you, God. I want to invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to be my Lord, to be my savior, And to be my friend. And from this day forth, I want to follow you, Jesus. In your name I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. And hey, if you pray that prayer for the first time, we'd love for you to reach out to us and let us know. Nathan and myself would love to rejoice with you, give you a Bible and a Bible study guide so that you can continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And we want to say welcome to God's family. So, Nathan, that's why you and I do this because. We want to be faithful, and we don't want to drop the ball, in a sense, when it comes to doing what God called us to do. Nope.
1: Church is called to proclaim the gospel, and that's what we're going to do.
0: Praise the Lord. And again, we thank you for being part of today's program. We ran out of time for this segment of the program. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones saying goodbye May the Lord. Bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. We hope that you have a wonderful week.